This podcast, number 817, with author Randy Faulkner, is brought to you by Kim Law. Kim is a co-author of the book entitled, Compassionate Conversations, How to Speak and Listen from the Heart. In our world today, what Greg and Kim speak about in this podcast is so very important and worth listening to. The conversation has an immense power to deepen our relationships and cast light on our shared reality. This book is intended to show that compassionate conversations can happen, even when challenging, and our differences can inform and inspire us, rather than overwhelm and divide us. If you want to learn more about Kim Law and her co-authors and the book Compassionate Conversations, please visit her website at www.kimberlylaw.com. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-L-O-H.com. And now, for a featured podcast, I hope you enjoy Greg's informative interview with author Randy Faulkner about his book, Think and Grow Through Art and Music. Happy listening! Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Randy, as I do all the time, I want to thank my listeners who come from all over the world. I just looked at some of the statistics. We have people from Moscow and India and everywhere that listen to the show. As a matter of fact, of the uh, thousand plus people that we get per day, uh, the numbers are staggering as to the country. So thank you all. Uh, and thank you all for listening to this in English because we only do it in one language. So I appreciate that. Uh, joining me today from Palm Springs, California is Randy Faulkner. And Randy is a good friend of mine, um, by the way, of Don Green from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Uh, Randy, good day to you. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic on a grand scale. Thank you for having me, Greg. Well, we appreciate having you and all the hard work that you've put into this book. Um, you can tell, and it's done just so exceptionally. You did a great job, and I know you've spent a lifetime preparing for this. So thank you, thank you, thank you for this. Um, you know, Randy has a new book out, and it's called Think and Grow Rich Through Art and Music. And he got the endorsement of the Napoleon Hill Foundation and our good friend Don Green, which we both know. And Randy, that's fantastic. And Randy, I think just because, you know, you are prepared to tell our listeners, and I think it's a great way to start this show, is for you really to set the stage for the book and let our listeners know why you're focused so much on Think and Grow Rich and how did you tie this to music and art, and why did you think it was so important? Okay, well, to answer that question, Greg, I have to go back quite a ways, back, basically back to high school. Okay. Um, so I'll tell a little story here, and I think it'll bring confidence for your readers. Um, what, when I was um, in high school, a senior, I, uh, I got a gal pregnant, so... I had a child before I ever got out of high school, so I knew I had to get with the program quick to support family. Mm-hmm. So I started going to uh, computer science classes at uh, Indiana Central University at night, and so I got through the two-year associate degree program, and I got a job with a 
large firm downtown Annapolis, Indiana, where I lived at the time, of being a computer programmer. I'd been there about a year, and one day my boss came by and said, hey, Faulkner, come on uh, down to my office. And I thought it didn't sound good, but uh, nonetheless, he said, he said, why did you lie to us? And I said, what? I said, I can't remember the exact conversation. It's so long ago. This is 1969. He said, why did you lie to us? I said, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. So he said, well, how old are you? I said, oh, yeah. Well, I'm 20. He said, that's right. And you've been here about a year and you put down your application. You were 23. Why did you do that? And I said, I did that because I didn't think you would hire me for this job being so young. He said, you know what? I like that answer. Just going back to your office. And about 15 minutes later, he came by and said, hey, Faulkner, have you ever heard of Think and Grow Rich? I said, no. He said, you seem like you're full of, um, I'm going to change the words, wording he said, but he said, you seem like you're full of pep and vinegar. I'm going to bring you in a copy tomorrow, and, and I want you to read it. I said, okay. So he brought it in. He said, you can read it on the clock. So I read it, and I was young, and I said, okay, I'm going to jump right in here and do what this Napoleon Hill character says to do because I believed in what he was saying. And so I said, I'm going to go buy this brand-new Jaguar. So I went up and took a picture of this Jaguar XKE, kind of a big old long nose on it. And I told the guy, I'm going to come back before the end of the year and buy that car and pay cash for it. He said, okay, fine. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I had belief in Napoleon's principles. So uh, to make a long story short, I uh, was about two months late getting that car, but I did get that car and pay cash for it. And I took it home and put a big giant red bow around it and set it and gave it to my wife at the time. And then I went out to a little uh, Chevrolet dealership in a little town I grew up in. And I, I went in there and I, uh, my friend's dad owned the place. I said, I want to order uh, a certain car. He said, okay, come in the office. And I started telling him I want a Nova, Super Sport, Rally Wheels, all this business. And he looked up at me with a real derisive type smile and says, well, that's great, Ram, but, you know, how are you going to pay for this? I mean, really, because he knew I, I was adopted and didn't, didn't have any money or anything. So I said, well, come out here and look at this. So he came out and looked at that Jaguar. I said, let me get my dad. And his dad came out and said, my Lord, Randy, is that your car? I said, yeah, and I paid cash for it, just like I'm trying to pay cash for this Nova. But Larry here don't think I can do it. He said, you just tell us what you want and we'll get it. So. To fast forward and make another long story short, within within one year of reading Think and Grow Rich, I had two brand new cars sitting there in the driveway paid for. And one day we're walking out with the, the wife and the two kids and I freeze. I just absolutely freeze. And I could not figure out how we got those cars. It, 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 something came over me and my wife said, what's wrong? I said, well, how do we get those cars? She said, well, it's easy. You, um, you did your computer programs in the day, and in the evening, you sold your pots and pans. That's how you got them. I said, yeah, but a, one year ago, we had a car sitting there we could hardly afford to put tires on, for example, and now we got two brand-new cars paid for. I said, it's like magic. I mean, it, to me, it was a, a stroke of yeah. magic. Yeah. You know? and, and so that's why I started a little company called Do You Believe in Magic, and I did a flip chart of these two cars, and I did a little motivational tour where I go around speaking to insurance companies and so on. And anyway, I didn't like that. But nonetheless, that's when I started preaching Napoleon Hill and those principles right back then in the early 70s. 
Well, it's a great and then, story, and it's an opportunity for our listeners to to really know more about you. But then you connected this um, with the music in, industry, and, and you say something in the introduction. You state that success and failure, this is your success, are results of our thoughts, right? So when your wife told you that, you had put it into thought. You'd manifested it. But that less than 1% of all people realize that thoughts shape their lives. That one I totally agree with. How have your thoughts shaped your life? And what advice do you have for our listeners? Because this is one of the principles that's in Think and Grow Rich. But it's also, you know, look, your music is around Think and Grow Rich through art and music, right? And so let's weave in how this music and art got in and how important this is to you. Okay. Well, as I said, we kind of got two questions going on here. But as I said, I I, um, I got on Napoleon Hill quite young, and I, I devoured many other books. And um, and most of them were uh, – and, and I came to the conclusion, and I, I can't remember exactly who said it, but they said something like, you are what you think about all day long. I think that might have been Earl Nightingale or somebody. I'm not sure. But uh, I realized then that the beauty that we, the power that we have is the power to control what, we, what goes into our own minds. And therefore, with Napoleon Hill's principles and his power, uh, power of positive mental attitude, which I believe heads the list of successful attributes, um, it's important to keep your mind positive and, and practice the PMA principles. I think it's important to keep your mind on the things that you want and off the things you don't want. And so how it tied back into music is I just one one day I was out running and I I thought about you could take Napoleon's principles and you could you could help anybody on the planet by going out. Uh, I, I first started with I thought about sports figures. I could go out and interview professional athletes take what they tell me, merge them with Napoleon principle and write a book to help kids become professional athletes. But then I realized I didn't like sports all that much. And then I, I don't know, a couple months later, I realized, well, I could do it with music because I love music and art. And I'd always been a, a friend of mine owned a, a large a concert venue. And I was always around musicians and artists my whole life growing up. So I kind of understood and I was understood how to be around them. And I thought I could interview uh, professional musicians and artists, merge that with Napoleon's thoughts. And I could help a lot of kids or it don't have to be kids either. They could be anybody. doesn't matter. Yeah. But you started this project in the nineties. Yeah. I started. We're now 2020. That's 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I work at a slow pace, Greg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the important thing, it isn't a slow pace. Part of it was it was just tough getting to all these musicians that you actually interviewed for the book. Uh, you've told that story many times. But I think it's so important, you know, that, you know, you've blended the two into this book and that Napoleon Hill Foundation has endorsed the book as well. Um, you know, Don Green and the Association. Um, it's It's a fantastic book. I just want to let my readers know it's an easy read. It's well laid out. It's well written. Um, you've interviewed some of the, the, the greatest artists of, of our time. 
You know, and your first chapter is about starting point of all achievement, which is desire. And, you know, all these artists, what I noticed was many of them didn't make it big until they were in their later ages. It took them a long time, almost like it took you a long time to get this book done. Uh, But they had this vision that they were going to be great or they were going to be something. What has your burning desire to write this book taught you about the desire importance of the principles with these musicians as well and these artists that you interviewed? Well, in the first place, it taught me to never give up. Never, ever give up. Because I started in the 90s, as you mentioned, and I started with Chet because I was needing uh, Chet Atkins, that is. I was needing um, an Andrew Carnegie. I needed someone to introduce me, to give me a letter of introduction so I could Get, uh, get into these musicians' life, which was very difficult. This was just back before the internet. You, you just, it was really, you couldn't just walk up to, uh, you know, to famous musicians and start talking to them. You, you needed a, a, an introduction of some, night, some type. So uh, I started working with Chet, and we were real close, and uh, God bless him, he, uh, we were close. In other words, I deal with his attorney, and we were setting up at Chet Atkins Foundation, where part of the proceeds from this book would go into a foundation to help maybe a uh, a kid who had the ability, but nonetheless didn't have the financial means to go to get his education for music. So, in the process of that, I went back and I was met by his attorney, and the attorney said, "We've advised Chet not to." speak to anyone, uh, not not to enter into any more agreements till we see what's going on. And needless to say, four months later, Chet was gone. So that just really took the wind right out of my sail. That was a tough and, story and a, and a tough blow for you. Um, but, you know, you persisted on. I mean, that's what I love about you is your desire, yeah. your desire and your willingness to never give up. And so you found other ways to pull this book together, including all the interviews that you had. And you might want to uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that, because I know you waited in the wings um, of these uh, venues that would happen to get a hold of these musicians. And it was really tough for you to get them to want to participate or whatever. But you hung in there and you got lots of people to participate. Granted, 30 years is a long time, but <laughs> you, you yeah. did it, right? Yeah. Well, I, after Chet passed, uh, like I said, it took the wind out of my sail, and I didn't know if I could find another Chet. And then I finally uh, found Les Paul, and he was uh, he, Les, and uh, they, they were, they were two, of, two of a kind, really, Chester and Lester. They even made a record called Chester and Lester, which is a oh. white album. It's a white album. It looks just like the Beatles' white album. It's just embossed on the front. Like the Beatles' album is embossed with white letters, say the Beatles. This was embossed with the words Chester and Lester. So they were good friends. But when I, by the time I met Les, he was 87. He was playing two little shows at a little club in downtown Manhattan, the Iridian Jazz Club. Every Monday night, I played two shows. So I, I started going up there and, and talking to his son, Rusty, and Telling you know, here's what I've been doing with Chet, and I need to get to your dad. And his dad was a lot, you know, a little older and a lot more stubborn than Chet. And <laughs> it took a took a long time to get through to him, over a year just to get through to him what I was trying to do. And he finally said, uh, 
Randy, I'm not going to give you a letter of introduction or anything, but if you want to sit here, I'll introduce you to the people that come through to play and, you know, join me on stage. And if they want to talk to you, fine. If they don't, that's all I can do. So, so that's what I did for a period, about four years. I would, I'd be back there after the show was over and I would talk to them. And so many of them were so excited right then, but then when the, when the time was over, uh, they, you know, they give me that email address, and then when I would email them, they they just they didn't want to participate. It's just, you know, they were caught up in the moment, but then when the actual time came, it's it's hard. So so the next step was to uh, get a hold of publicists. So there's companies where you buy. I bought like 500. I did this twice. Bought 500 publicists who have publicists for a certain artist, and I would email them. They would sometimes would come back and say, not interested, or what do you got? And I'll send it to them, or sometimes they would give me the artist's email. Anyway, it's just a, a long process of going through, and it took, I say it took a, it took several years just to, to get to that point. And then I would kind of, uh, we sold our tire business in Sedona, Arizona, and we moved to uh, Hawaii. So I kind of lost the feel for a little, way, little bit, and then I thought, you know what, I need to go back and finish this book. It's been my burning desire for years. I'm not going to give up. So we moved back here to the mainland. Moved back even, to- even Don Green, Randy, you had a hard time kind of selling him. And so <laughs> I, I applaud yeah. you because of just the fact that, you know, your, your persistence, people say that about me as well. I think it's, Hey, you know, Greg Boyson, you're one of the most persistent guys, you know, I've seen. I'm tenacious. You know, I like you, I just kind of hang in there because I don't want to give up on that dream, right? And I think that's what you list six keys to success at the end of chapter one. And I want you to tell our listeners, because as much as this is about art and music, it's about blending Napoleon Hill's success principles into this art and music and how these artists, and I will just say you, succeeded here. What are those six principles that you could tell our listeners which are kind of the cornerstone for all kinds of things that people do in their life that you could share. Cause this show is about inside personal growth. <laughs> I see. Yes. I like that. That's a good question, Greg. Uh, well, number one, let's see uh, six principles. Number one is you got to have the burning desire. That is the number. If you don't have the burning desire or the passion, passion is another word I use in the place of burning desire. Uh, in other words, the, the first principle is it's not good enough to say, I want to be a great cello player, for example. You need to be more specific. You need to say, I am going to be a cello player with the Chicago Symphony, for example. And then you must be, uh, the next point, you got to be willing to, uh, to willing to give what you're going to give in return. How are you, how are you going to, you know, because you don't get anything. No, there's no such thing as something for nothing. So you have to give something in return to get this. So you have to decide what you're going to give. Uh, It's not especially uh, so true in the beginning because like when I, for example, when I was going to get the Jaguar, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just believed in the principles and, you know, Napoleon's famous quote, what the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. So the idea is you, you get, you conceive the idea then you believe it, and if you really believe it, you can achieve it. So I conceived the idea of buying this Jaguar. I believed I could buy it, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. 
So it was just, I overheard a guy one day say at a, at a lunch counter, he said, hey, I'm making three or 400 bucks a night selling pots and pans. If I had not been using Napoleon's principles and putting it into my subconscious mind every night and every morning and all throughout the day, if I had not been doing that, when I would have heard that guy say that, I would have just ignored him. Right. But as soon as he said it, boom, that light went off. I went, ran over to this guy. I didn't know him. I said, hey, what'd you just say? And he said, well, I'm selling, you know, and I said, you got to get me on there. And he said, well, look at you, man. You're wearing a three-piece suit. Doesn't look like you need to work. work. You don't need to sell pots and pans. I said, no, no, no. I got to sell pots and pans. You know what I'm saying? I got to do this. Get me on. So, so in other words, you don't have to know exactly how you're going to do it, but you just have the faith that, that you can do it. Yeah, and, and I think that faith was one of the principles as well. Desire and faith are really important. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and Randy, if you would, hold up that book jacket cover for a second. I know you don't have books yet, but you do have this rendering of it. I want people to see this. Now move it over a little bit to the right. This is the book that you're going to want to get because Randy has done uh, 30 years of work on this book. And if you'll go up a little bit, you'll see Chet Atkins' name. You'll see all the other people that the research came from, uh, Les Paul, and it goes on and on and on. So I just want the listeners to know, this book comes out when, Randy? When can we get this on Amazon? This comes out September 30th. Okay. So we're very close with the time that this airs. You guys will be able to go, and you can go pre-order the book now, can't you? Yes, you can go to Amazon or you can go to Think artandmusic.com and order the book. Okay, so we'll put links to both of those, but I wanted my listeners to know, hey, this is what the book looks like. If you go Think and Grow Rich through Art and Music, you're going to find the title at Amazon. You can pre-order the book, and you ought ought to do that. Now, you've done something really unusual with this book, and it's up in the left-hand corner. Not everybody does this, but you've put thoughtful placed QR codes throughout the book. And I wanted you to tell our listeners about these codes in the videos that they're going to be directed to, the opportunities to actually see Napoleon Hill. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have never seen Napoleon Hill on a video. They know about the book, but they didn't know these videos existed. So you've actually gotten permission from uh, Napoleon Hill Foundation, and you have many videos of him, and you actually have audio as well. <laughs> Talk to our listeners about that. Right. Well, I had the idea to do QR codes, um, which would, at the end of each chapter, is a QR code, which recaps what I've said in that chapter. They're little four to 11 minute segments. Most of them are black and white video of Napoleon Hill when he was teaching his classes. Um, so you can tell they're, you know, back in the 50s, so to speak. Some of them in the early 60s, I believe. And then two of them are, uh, I got Don Green to do a two of them, and those are in color, and then some are audio, but there's one at the end of each chapter, and then there's a bonus uh, for PMA, Positive Mental Attitude, because I think that heads the list of uh, you must have this attribute to be successful, so there's a bonus one for PMA, which is Napoleon Hill talking about it. Well, I'll tell you, I went to a a, a video you sent to me on a QR code, and I just want to say that I listened to 15 minutes of Napoleon Hill, and I haven't actually seen a lot of Napoleon Hill, right? And people need to understand that back in the 50s and the 60s, 
not the video quality, but just the way people spoke. It was very direct. It was very focused. It was very, you know, that, that was the way Napoleon Hill spoke. So just to put you on, you need to be prepared uh, for that. It isn't like super animated, but the content inside of it is, it's, it's mind-blowing if you're writing it down and getting it, you know, those three-by-five cards you mentioned in the book where you actually write your goals. Now, Randy, I want to go back to this faith because you've got a great story you can tell that's in the book. And you state that faith is the ability to believe in yourself and your dream when on one and on, and on somebody else. What does faith and flowing of the infinite intelligence, because that is a key term you use, that was a Napoleon Hill term, work? And can you tell the story that's in your book about Pat Boone? Because the Pat Boone story was really good. Um, I know Pat Boone now is doing commercials for Christian uh, little things. I see him sometimes. But um, I don't think a lot of listeners really know who Pat Boone is. So. Right. Yeah, he's from the old school. Pat was from the old school. And he was, he was very, uh, very helpful, actually. He had faith in two different ways. Uh, let me see what I can't remember exactly what he said. Um, oh, yeah, he, he said his encouragement came from Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. Correct. Who gave, who gave him the faith in himself because they said he was a great white hope and he sings rock and roll and he can sing ballads. And, and uh, this changed his whole life when they had faith in him. And then something that's not in the book um, which I, which he also told me, was he said uh, when I asked him now, Pat, speaking to a younger person uh, who desired to become a professional musician, what is the one thing you would tell him or her, or her, what would you tell him or her to help follow their dream? He said, I always tell young people with stars in their eyes and dreams about entertainment to one, make God their agent. That's the one. That's the one who can make opportunities and help a client make the most of the opportunities when they come. And by the way, any good agent expects 10% as a tithing. So that was kind of clever. So, That's yeah, good. Pat, yeah, it was good. And he, uh, I didn't put, uh, I didn't put a lot of, uh, you know, as Napoleon didn't put religion in the book, uh, I won't call this too much religion, but that was, uh, you know, uh, Pat had faith in two different ways, you know, and he was, yeah, he is. He's a, a very man of a Christian man and very, very much wanted to help the kids. So he was very helpful with what he said. Yeah, it, it was an exceptional passage in the book. And I'm glad that you were able to, uh, ex, you know, articulate it because I think the listeners want to know, you know, how did Randy go about weaving all this in? between the artists, their stories. And that's where I want to take it now. You speak about these many artists, lots of artists and musicians that did not come into their plane of success. I'm going to repeat that word, the plane of success, because again, that's a Napoleon Hill. I loved how you weaved in the Napoleon Hill, the infinite intelligence, the plane of success, until later in life, right? Some of them much later in life. Can you tell us about a few of those musicians and how faith kept them going. Because, you know, I, I was reading that part of the book, and you're talking about people that were in their 50s, and people that were in late 40s, and 
people that were in their early 60s before they had a hit. You use Pharrell Williams. He was in his 40s before he wrote Happy. Before that, did anybody really know Pharrell Williams? I, I don't know. I didn't, you know, but my point was is that one song, you know, which is a great song, he went, right? Skyrocket. Right. Yeah. That's right. So tell a few of those stories. Well, there's so many of them that they um, – every, every one of them that, that came to success later in life, they all worked their way up through the ranks. They all started – Basically, their stories are all the same. They were singing in a band here, or singing in a church somewhere, or they were they were singing somewhere and trying to to make a go at it. You know, one that comes really to mind as far as faith um, is a guy Django Reinhardt. And Les Paul told me this story about Django. Django was a gypsy uh, and played gypsy music, and he started out. Um, Real young, very, very young, playing a banjo and violin, but then he switched to guitar, and he was really good at the guitar, and he was good enough to travel around in his caravan uh, at age 18, uh, making a living for basically the entire caravan. So that's how good this kid was, and one night he gets up to go, uh, go to the bathroom, uh, get out of his wagon, and he knocks over a candle and starts a fire, and the thing just, there was something in there ignited, and it just burst into flames and he burned up everything and it also burnt the left side of his body so when he got to the medical facility they said well you'll we're going to have to amputate your leg and by the way your he had second first and second degree burns on his hand so as it came out his two two of his fingers were paralyzed so which would put a damper on most people and they said you'll never play another stringed instrument and i don't think you'll ever walk again so he had, Django said, I, I had the faith and I started visualizing myself walking and playing again. Every day I would visualize and say to myself, I will walk again and I will play again. And they tried to give him a cane to walk with. And he said, no, I refuse the cane. I'm going to walk by myself. And so within a year, he was walking and he was playing again. He, was, he did exactly what he visualized. But the story gets a little better because what happened next was he, and this, this faith really kicks in, uh, what happened next, he gets uh, detained in France. This is during World War II. I remember the story, right? He gets detained in France, and as a, thousands and thousands of gypsies are being put to death, he is spared because there's a group, a handful of Nazis that like jazz music yeah and he kept he kept playing it and therefore they kept him alive so not only did his faith make him become one of the most respected artists of the 20th century it also saved his his entire life that's that I, was i remember those stories about the concentration camps they would find the people that could play music and yeah. they would keep those people alive because they enjoyed hearing the music uh, and it was the music that those artists played, many of those Jews that were in those camps, that really made a difference. And actually, uh, they survived. They actually started little uh, orchestras for um, uh, the the Nazis at the time. But it was a it was an interesting story. Now, Randy, you and your chapter on auto suggestion. We were just talking about visualization 
an auto suggestion. You speak about Bruno Mars, about visualization is saying, you have to envision the life you want and then go backwards. He said, I have always been where I wanted to be. Now I'm backtracking to get there. What advice do you have for our listeners about auto-suggestion and visualization? Because those are one of Napoleon Hill's fundamental foundational uh, principles. And at the same time, every one of these musicians, or most of them that you interviewed, uh, were using auto-suggestion. They may not have known what it was. But the reality was, if you gave them a book, Napoleon Hill's book of auto-suggestion and visualization, it would be there. So speak to our listeners about, uh, you know, about that story. I thought what Bruno Mars said was really, really very telling. I have a vision, and I'm, now I'm working backwards. Because he, he saw himself in the future is what he did. He said, this is the person I see myself as in the future. And so what he did is every day he said he would get up and he would visualize that person, the successful musician, and he would start working backwards. What do I need to do today to get to that, to be that person? So I agree with you 100% on auto-suggestion and visualization. It's two of the most important attributes there are in in the whole entire science of personal success. Uh, the, The part with act. Uh, auto suggestion is, which I didn't get to in the in the six basic principles. However, it's the part of uh, creating your little your mantra or your your mission statement, and therefore putting it in your mind every morning, several times throughout the day, and especially at night when you're going to sleep, because your subconscious mind will continue to work on that all night long, and you get up in the morning and you. You run through your mission statement again and you put some emotion in it and you put some feeling and and uh, then you just uh, throughout the day sometimes uh, uh, to give an example I've had people who I've shared the book with and they I've helped them get their little mission statement together which basically I've had the same mission statement since 1969 I just changed the words on it I had the same mission statement to get the car as I did uh, when I w- wanted to go in the tire business. I just changed the dates and what the, the mission is. And then I had it the same mission statement when I wanted to do sell a million dollars worth of tires and then $3 million worth of tires. And then when I wanted to make music in Nashville and then I wanted to buy 20 houses in Sedona, I wanted to move to Hawaii. When I wanted to move back here and finish this book, every one of them I used the mission statement an auto-suggestion where you're putting it into your mind. But what I was going to tell you the little story real quick. Is some, some, the people that I would share the book with, and uh, they, I, I got, twice I got called in the middle of the night, and other times during the day they'd just call up and say, Randy, Randy, I got it. I said, what do you got? They said, well, I, I got what I'm going to do. You know, so this, he said, I said, well, where did you get the idea? He said, I don't know where it came from. They all said the same thing. It just it comes out of the sky. So the right. power of the auto-suggestion and saying this, uh, your mission statement in aloud, okay? I used to stop the car on the side of the road and look in the rearview mirror and say, I'm going to buy that Jaguar and so on and so forth, and run my mission statement with a bunch of emotion and it'd get me all charged up. So I was key. I could hear, I could hear anything related to my mission statement. I was attracting it. 
So that has a lot to do with the auto-suggestion, the ether, the infinite intelligence, or universal yeah. library knowledge. No, it's so it's so true. These principles uh, that you bring out in this book, and that's why people should read your bro- your book, uh, "Think and Grow Rich, Rich Through Art and Music." It's it's truly an opportunity for people if they don't want to read "Think and Grow Rich," at least read this book. Uh, it's a lot shorter, and he really gets to the point. And you know, you quote Napoleon Hill in the book, who wrote an essay on the effects of music on human behavior, all right? So really important because music plays, I want to quote this. If the truth were known, it might disclose the fact that music has been the strongest factor in producing the geniuses of the past. Uh, You do not have to go outside of your own experience to prove that the most elevating thoughts come to you under the stimulating influence of music. Now that quote is worth not only repeating, not right now, but reading in Randy's book. What role has music played in your life and why do you believe our listeners should focus on the appreciation for music as an opportunity to actually reach their goals and aspirations? That is a great question, Greg. (laughs) Yeah, I think when I read that about Napoleon Hill, I thought this man was years ahead of his time. You know, to, to make a statement that, that profound back then was just, to me, was incredible. I could talk about hours and hours for the effects of music, however. We don't have that uh, long. <laughs> I know we don't. <laughs> Let me say, as a rule, uh, music makes us happy. It, 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 music will make us happy. It makes the players, when they're playing it, makes them happy. The writers, when they're writing it, makes them happy. The listeners, when they're listening, as a rule, it makes them happy. Sad songs can make them cry. Music can be very emotional. It brings. I've seen grown men sit around little listening clubs in Nashville, and every, everybody's crying. Everybody's crying, and you know we're all grown adults, and here you just got a little guy sitting out there with a guitar, saying these powerful words. So, music is so powerful. Uh, and, and another perfect example is even at our age, Greg, we can probably go back and think of a where you hear a song on the radio, you hear that song. And it takes you right back to some time in your younger years and you know where you were and who you were with and what you were doing. So it sets off a, it's a place in your brain where those, those special memories like that. And if it weren't, if it was not for the music, we wouldn't have that, that ability to, to conjure up those great memories. And yeah, have and that sometimes, and sometimes, Randy, it's just the tone. You know, when you said that, the one that comes to mind that I've played over and over and over again, um, is see you in September. Uh, it I, I don't remember the group, the the way it's done. And I used to listen to Ricky Nelson as well. You know, he died in a plane crash, but Ricky Nelson. You know, some of that stuff brings back memories of a time. Not that I know exactly what was happening, but I can almost just zero right in on that. And I I think that that's true, and it makes you happy. And you know. You tell a great story about Chet Atkins and the fact that he was never taught music. Now, here's one. <clears throat> Can you tell uh, his story and the importance of practicing and honing these skills? Because, look, here was somebody that didn't even know how to write notes, didn't know how to put music down, uh, never did that. But yet he had such determination that he was going to be a musician 
Uh, I know my wife's a piano teacher. She has people that come in here later in life. They've never, they play the piano, but they, they don't know how to read music, right? So tell Chet's story real quick. We have a few minutes left, and then I have one last question for you. Okay. Well, Chet was, Chet always bragged about it. He never took a lesson. There's a rumor out there that he took a lesson from Segovia, but I asked him about that, and he said that's just, uh, he said, him and Segovia were together one time, but he didn't take a lesson. They just talked, and Chet played a little song for him, and that was about it. Uh, Chet was very adamant about the fact that you have to love the sound of your instrument. Okay, uh, he, and, and he was so adamant about it, he just on and on. He said, if you don't like the sound of that instrument, get rid of it, get another one. Uh, if, if you really want to play music, you have to love the sound. And I could not figure out why he's so adamant about that. And that comes back to what you just asked. He said it was because of practice. He said it's so much easier to practice hour upon hour upon hour if you love the sound of what you're hearing. So that was his, his, big, his biggest thing. There was just the sound of of your I, instrument. I love that. You know, when I was a kid in high school, I picked up the trombone. And, you know, the trombone by itself, when you're a young kid trying to play it, doesn't sound so good. But I will tell you just a quick story. I've always loved the harmonica. So I have a harmonica sitting over here because you can hardly screw up a harmonica. You know, you can get on it. Anybody can get on a harmonica, play a harmonica. So my wife bought me one. I have to admit, I haven't been on it as much. I've been more involved in helping people learn about people like you than I have playing my harmonica. Randy, what would you like to leave our listeners with about music and the mixture of the Napoleon Hill principles that will change their lives for the better? I think that's the key to this book is this book is about how can I help you change your life for the better through the principles and through the stories that I tell you about the musicians that use these principles. Okay. Uh, That's another good question. You're full of good questions today, Greg. First, I want to say about your harmonica plan. um, I might find it in my heart to loan you my harmonica, which was sent to me from London when Ray Thomas, who was the Moody Blues flautist, as well as a harmonica player, when he passed about three years ago, his wife sent me his harmonica that he played so many Moody Blues songs on. Oh it's, my like one of my it's just a little harmonica, but it, it just means so much because he's the one that played it, and it was played on all those songs. So when we meet in person, I'll be sure and bring it with me, and he'll let you play a song. I, I'm not too good at letting it out of my possession okay i would think uh, not that's a very special yeah. a very a special thing you know i think i told you this story and it and then it will it will kind of wrap this up with you telling the listeners um you know we used to go to in-home concerts that were in vista california and uh, lawrence juber was one guy that came and he used to play with paul mccartney and wings and he found out that my son had uh, leukemia. My eldest son uh, did. And my son had this desire to play the guitar. And that guitar my son still has. He's alive. He, he beat the disease through medications. Um, Wonderful. But the, but the guitar was a Martin guitar. And he sent us that guitar and what normally would have been a, who knows, $5,000 guitar. 
he only charged me $1,500. And I was like, wow, that was fantastic. And it was signed by Lawrence Duber. So I know my son still has it, but musicians can be the kindest people when you get on in them with their heart, like most people. You know, they love to give. And I think that's a good thing here, that Napoleon Hill's yeah. principles are about giving back. This book is about giving back. This is the stories yeah. you can tell, the things you can do. This is Randy's way to give back, right? Right, it is, to help kids and give back everything I can. And uh, in answer to your question there, you asked the question, and I just want to say, by applying Napoleon Hill's proven science of success principles and then merging them with the suggestions and advice of some of the greatest artists, both past and present, Pay attention here now. This is vital. <laughs> uh, by, by reading this book and applying the principles and taking action, I believe the reader can multiply his or her advantage of becoming successful by tenfold. And I think we must admit that by having a ten-time greater shot at success is a huge advantage to one's favor. Don't you agree? I would agree. Now, do me a favor and hold that cover of the book up again. Because as we wrap up this interview, I want these listeners to see that book cover. Now, for everybody who knows, Randy doesn't have any physical copies of the book yet in his possession. This is the mock-up of the cover. You'll see our link in Amazon. Hold that up again, Randy. I can't find it, Greg. I think we sold out already. Oh, there you go. Well, at any rate, well, well okay. there it is. Think and grow through art and music. And I want you guys to all uh, go to Amazon, pre-order the book. Randy, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, sharing some of your own personal stories, some of the stories of the musicians, as well as the principles of Napoleon Hill. Well done. Now I see why this book took almost 27 years for you to complete. Uh, it's a pure honor to have you on and to our good friend Don Green for actually giving Randy, the opportunity to publish this book under the auspices of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, uh, which certainly helped a lot. So thank you all. Randy, thank you. Uh, namaste to you. And thank you for being such a great uh, philanthropist and wanting to give back. Namaste to you too, Greg. And I appreciate you having me on your show. And I appreciate your listeners taking the time to listen to us. Thank you. And God bless. God bless. And I love your listeners.